Hi, my name is Chandler Malone, and welcome to the latest episode of Be Attento. Helpful tips and stories from some of today's most successful entrepreneurs and investors. Be Attento is brought to you by Attento Capital, a Tulsa-based venture fund focused on driving returns through early-stage venture investment and local economic development and job creation. Attento is Spanish for helpful, careful, thoughtful, conscientious, and polite, as we seek to embody these characteristics to all of our stakeholders. Today, we are excited to welcome Clarence Tan and Edna Martinson of Bottle Learning to the podcast. Clarence, Edna, thank you so much for joining us on this week's episode of the Be Attento podcast. Could you guys just give uh, a brief introduction of yourselves, of Bottle, and how things have been going for you guys so far? Yeah. So thanks for having us, Chandler. My name is Edna Martinson. This is Clarence Tan. Yeah, you guys can't see me. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we're co-founders of Bottle Learning. A little background. I am originally from Ghana, West Africa, and Uganda. East Africa came to America 10 and a half years ago. Two years ago, Clarence and I founded Bottle Learning. Clarence's background is Singapore and Hong Kong, born in San Francisco, moved to Kansas City 2009. 2009, so 10 and a half years ago as well. Pretty much. Yeah, so two years ago, we started Bottle. Uh, Bottle is an educational technology company that is focused in on the elementary school age. So we are helping teachers deliver practice and assessment items through a fun interactive game that helps them to track their student progress and get really actionable data and good reports that'll help them facilitate learning. So actually, we started off focusing in the classroom, but of course, given COVID and the current state of things, uh, we've expanded to include parents as well, which is really exciting. So Bottle is offered to teachers and parents uh, for home use as well. You, You mentioned kind of some of your initial focus and how that shifted during COVID. Could you talk about just the impact that COVID has had on uh, your business and how you guys have been able to respond to it? Yeah, sure. So initially, kind of like Edna said, we were focused on classrooms. So um, we had about 2000 classrooms in the first couple months of launching. And then as soon as COVID hit, before then, we were averaging about five to 10 classrooms a week. And then it was uh, March 16th. It was Sunday night from starting 4 p.m. We just had it sign up like crazy. It started, I think that Sunday night from 4 p.m. to 11 p.m. It was a hundred and close to 170 classrooms in just one evening and then just kept ramping up. So we went from 2,000 kids to now we have over 40,000 kids. And about a wow. third of the users are our parents and kids at home rather than uh, kids in school. Yeah. So we are seeing this shift in parents becoming a lot more active uh, in their kids learning. Uh, They were kind of pushed into this uh, parent as a teacher role. And a lot of parents are still continuing to be really actively involved. And so we've seen a lot of activity there. Amazing. Amazing. And so could you maybe take us back just one step further and talk about what made you all so interested in disrupting the education space in the first place and providing this resource for students, teachers, parents? Yeah, for sure. So initially, we've been 
designing and building games and education for a while. We knew that games has the impact to really transform education just because kids growing up nowadays, they grew up with games and, and, and technology products rather than having to do education the traditional route. And so when we were building games, what we found out really um, early was traditionally the way educational games are built, they were built around a specific topic. And so, for example, I would build a fractions game. So it, it worked, but then for, for teachers in the classroom and for kids, kids would smell the education right off the bat. And for teachers, it actually, those types of educational games are actually quite hard to implement into the classroom because teachers would have to learn how does the game teach the topic. They would have to find a time, for example, if I am playing a fractions game, I would have to find time to squeeze this game in when I'm actually teaching fractions. And it's really hard to get data out from a game that's specifically designed around a topic. So um, there, are, even though it was meant to be fun, it, it's a lot of times it creates a lot more work for teachers. So the idea that Edna and I had was, what if we can just take all the activities that teachers are doing today and all of the content that is already readily available and plug it into a game environment. So that way it's going to be much more fun for kids and we get to help teachers with a lot of their classroom tasks. And when we, when we do it in that kind of strategy, so it's kind of gamifying the whole thing inside a game environment rather than just putting points. It allows us as a team to really focus in on making the, the, the product fun for kids and then making sure that as long as we're able to ingest content from from a content provider or whether we build the content ourselves it just allows us to have that focus on fun yeah and for me i think the stuff that really like fueled my passion even more like in early on um was just seeing the early versions of bottle in action and, and just like the the impact that it has like there's an after school program we're working with and just hearing from the we were in communication with the executive director and she'd mentioned one of the students who we'd, when we went to visit, we'd met him and how he was super just like insecure about studying and math and didn't have that like excitement about it. And just, she was talking about how like, yeah, he uses bottle and he loves it. And now he's telling everyone to call him the math boy. So just even seeing that, like the confidence in kids rising, like that was something that really fueled our passion to just keep going and keep building something that can have an impact in classrooms and help with things like test anxiety and just giving kids a really fun way to assess them to where they, they don't have that test anxiety going in and they can just answer it and have fun and be willing to try again, even when they fail. Yeah, I, I think all of those pieces are are extremely important, uh, especially when you just consider educational performance in the United States over the past few decades. And so would love to maybe hear you guys talk about some of the ways that you feel like you're going to be able to help improve outcomes, you know, for students, for schools, districts, and, and, and the whole gamut. One of the biggest things that we are seeing today is that kids predominantly underserved communities are performing a lot lower and they have a lot of gaps. So we would see, like, for example, in a fourth grade classroom, you'd see kids who are in the first grade level, some are in the second grade, fortunate ones are on grade level, but they're, 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 the academic levels are all over the place. And with that kind of setting, it's going to be really, really difficult for teachers to actually drive impact just because they have to tend to like 30 kids 
and, and all of the learning levels are different. So what we see is not only are we making education more fun by being able to adapt the learning levels to every single kid, that is something that we're actively working on. This is algorithm um, and this experience that is able to adapt to each individual kid so that we can actually assist teachers in facilitating as compared to having to do a lot of reporting, do a lot of testing, do a lot of assessments and paperwork to just find out where kids are. The reason that we focused in on these elementary school age as well is because first grade to sixth grade, they start building these, if they're not fully understanding the foundational concepts, they're starting to build these learning gaps that just accumulate. And then by the time they're in middle school and high school, there's lack of motivation because they don't understand um, the concepts. And then it just, it really affects them as they keep going forward. So we're like, if we can get them to understand and excel early on, then that's going to help them as they continue with their academic careers. Really appreciate your insights on the, on the product and the problem that you are solving. I know a lot of our listeners are early entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs. So would love to dive into some of those pieces that you've had to juggle as, as, as founders of an early stage company. And so just to go into this realm, can you talk about when you started this company and then also what the journey has been like pre this huge spike in, in, in traction in March? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a, a really crazy time. Initially, we were like, hey, this is a, there's no way nobody has thought of this idea yet. And as soon as we jumped into the idea, we're like, wow, this is actually really hard to execute because as a team, just the like product development, right? We are building a game. We're building a teacher's platform. We're building a content management platform for companies and organizations to upload curriculum into. And then we're also building a curriculum to be part of that whole that whole process. So for, for us coming in, that was one of a very big struggle was finding enough time and enough team members to really help out. And we've been extremely blessed with people who heard about our project, who volunteer their time and, and really gave their time and expertise to make this project happen. Yeah, I'd say like team has just been such a big thing for us. And like Clarence said, we've been blessed to like have such amazing people come on board and volunteer. And then a big part of that too, a lot of learning curves for us, because you're, if you're starting a business, you have to do everything. You're going to do the accounting, you're going to do manage the software development side and everything. And so just realizing that a lot of it and then sales, oh, sales is a big one too. And just realizing that a lot of it, like we have to get an understanding, even if we're not experts in it, get an understanding of each part ourselves and not just rely on like, oh, we'll just hire somebody to do that. Which as an early, early stage, it helps when the funding is just not there. So then you're forced into that position yeah. of like, hey, we're just going to learn this ourselves. And then when the funding did come, it's like, okay, we're going to keep that spirit and like keep on learning this ourselves. And then as we bring people on board. Awesome. Yeah, I, I think that is 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 really helpful, just kind of advice and, and, and feedback uh, for other people who are in the same stage. Could you maybe talk about that time pre-funding, but post-launching the company in terms of lifestyle changes that you maybe had to make or just what your day-to-day looked like as you're building a company that you see has real potential, but you don't necessarily have the backing to fully financially support it. Yeah. Clarence, tell us about your lifestyle change with your car. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, He's really salty about this, by the way, but please. Yeah. Share. So really early on when funding was tight, it's one of those 
when you start a business, you think that, oh, what this is going to be awesome. I can, I can do it at my own time and I can go f- fly to a place anytime I want and work from, from there. I don't have to put, ask for PTO and that kind of thing. You can, but you won't because there's so much work to do and funding gets super tight a lot of times. For example, I had a car I really liked. It wasn't an expensive car by any chance. It was a Volvo C30. And then it just got to the point where we had to make sure we cut all of our expenses. And um, that car was getting expensive. <laughs> it, it was. I just had to change the timing belt. But it's one of those, like, we just had to sell the car and go for, like, a very old uh, Civic, which I still have now. It's a great car. It's just not as not as sexy as I wanted it to be. <laughs> but it's just one of those. When it comes to hours worked, you just have to, you would think that, oh, eight hour a day job now, it's close to, like, 12 to 13. The amount of financials that you have for yourself, you just have to really budget I used to never cook and now I'm a great cook just because I had to meal prep so that I can keep costs um, down. And I think at one point I was able to average my meals to like a dollar and 80 cents. That's because he literally ate ramen like every day. (laughs) But uh, another thing too is like leveraging the entrepreneurial community, like wherever that, wherever you are. Uh, That was a big thing for us too, just meeting other founders and having that support system. That was great. Having a co-working space at no cost for us starting early on, that helped a lot to have that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that that making sure you network, it's going to be, it's not going to be, you're you're not just going to meet someone and then everything just takes off. It's going to be one of those where you meet people and eventually they get to know you and they trust you. But making sure that when you're plugging yourself into entrepreneurial ecosystems, a lot of times there's a lot of things that people can help you with and people can um, actually find resources for you. So for example, we had a lot of Amazon hosting that that was awarded to us for joining these certain groups and it has helped us with our bottom line. Yeah. You guys obviously touched on the ecosystem and the community. And I know that we are extremely glad uh, to have you guys joining the Tulsa ecosystem and the Tulsa community. Could you all talk about some of the things that drew you to Tulsa and made it an exciting place for you to continue to build your company? Yeah. So when we visited, it was it a month ago, two months ago, maybe it's a month ago. A month ago. It was really inspiring to just meet people in the ecosystem and hear their experiences of, of Tulsa and just how like how engaged everybody is to really see the city grow and and build the ecosystem. That was really like something that drew us to Tulsa. And it's like, hey, like this is a place that we can really grow and make an impact in and contribute to the community as well. Yeah, I think speaking to a lot of people there, they had that willingness to 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 help. They had that willingness to collaborate. And I think all of the, the building blocks and ingredients are there. There's a growing ecosystem. There is a space for collaboration. There's funding there. And also, in addition, I think everybody just wants everybody to win. That's kind of like the feeling you get there. So it feels like a it feels like a launch pad waiting to happen and and it feels like it's going to take off eventually and very soon. So I feel, yeah, it's one of those. It feels like when you do join the, the ecosystem, there's a lot of opportunities for you to help contribute and grow, grow, grow into something much bigger than yourself too. Yeah, I um, a, definitely appreciate the kind words about the, the, the city and the ecosystem, but B, really want to kind of dig into that 
growing and being a part of something that's bigger than yourself and maybe shift the context of that to building team. But I know that you all have been able to evangelize some, some pretty impressive individuals to join you all's team, even pre-funding. And I'm sure a lot of that had to do with selling people on a vision of being a part of something that is bigger than them. Could you speak to how you were able to get strong team members pre-funding? I would say just a big part of it is like having a very clear vision and being able to articulate it. So when people hear it, if that's something that is attractive to them or aligns with what they want to do, then it's a lot easier for them to be to see themselves in it. And then two, it's allowing that space for people to like grow within whatever vision that you have. So for us, it was like, hey, this is what we're doing with Bottle. And then we had people come on board and and know that we don't have the funding, but give of their time and also grow in themselves, like during the, while they're with us, grow their skills, grow their leadership as well. And then they're contributing and they really feel like they're a part of it. Not just like, Hey, Edna and Clarence are like our bosses, but really like we're building this thing together. And so that, that was, I think that that helped a lot, just being able to articulate the vision and give people like a space to grow in it. Yeah. And I think giving there, there's a right balance of autonomy as well as figure things out yourself. I think when you have people who you bring in and you're able to kind of communicate with them like, hey, I really, there are things that you have to figure out and you they, you give them the ability to do it. I think that's where they take a lot more uh, personal responsibility and they feel a lot more uh, connected to the team. I would say, honestly, a lot of the team members that have reached out and found us to a certain, to a small degree, we still don't know, like, like how we lucked out to find these team members. Yeah, it's one of those like I can tell someone, hey, do this or do that or make have a good culture. But it's one of those like we cannot really trace back accurately how how this happened. The one thing I would say though is we partnered with Purdue University early on through one of the team members that we had and what really made bringing team members on much more efficiently, much more easier is have the first person document their processes, what they did. And so that when you do have that initial conversation with the second person that comes in, everything feels to be a lot more in order, a lot more organized and a lot more structured so that they kind of like know what the success look like in that role. I would say that would that would be one of the most important parts. It's kind of letting your the your potential future um, team members know, hey, this is what success would look like. Yeah, yeah, and I think just like appreciating people as well. I mean, we're always like we'll have team members do stuff. And we're like, oh my gosh, that's so amazing because genuinely we just can't imagine how they figured something out. But I think like that constant appreciation is like helps helps too. I mean, everybody likes to be appreciated. Yes, that definitely is huge. And kind of to, I guess, my next point, we have a very wide variety of listeners on our podcast. We've got investors, we've got early entrepreneurs, we've got people who are just a part of the community and, and want to hear what we're up to. And so I feel like this would be a great forum for you all to share any people that you would like to meet, any introductions that would be helpful or beneficial to you all during this time in your company. Yeah, well, we are moving down to Tulsa here soon. So it would be 
great to, if anybody is in education, works with charter schools, definitely. I don't know if there's going to be like our contact information attached to this, but we would love to connect with you and see how Bottle can serve you and your schools, as well as parents, regardless of if you're an investor entrepreneur, if you're a parent and you have kids in that first through sixth grade or K through six, really, definitely we would love for you to use Bottle. Can you provide best contact information to reach you at? Yes. So one, our website is uh, www.bottlelearning, B-O-D-D-L-E, bottlelearning.com. Best contact information for me is email. It's edna at bottlelearning.com. And feel free to look me up on LinkedIn as well, Edna Martinson. Awesome. Thank you so much. And I guess... Before you guys go, is there anything else that you would like to share or, or, or tell any of our listeners? I guess the only thing that we'll, we're going to be sharing is that we'll be launching our product on iOS soon. So that's going to be... Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. We are launching on iOS soon, hopefully August. Yes, closer towards August. Right now, the build is looking pretty good. So we're testing it right now. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. That is, that is super exciting news. Well, yeah, thank you, Clarence and Edna, both so much for your time. We cannot wait for you guys to get down here to Tulsa. And looking forward to, to seeing the growth and, and, and how many young students uh, you guys impact through Bottle. Awesome. Thank you so much. We are so glad to um, be on this with you. Awesome. And excited to be coming to Tulsa soon. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you everyone for tuning in to another episode of the Be Atento podcast. You can find this anywhere that podcasts are streamed. We want to give a special thanks to our production partners, Rant9, and I look forward to you following us across uh, all social media platforms at Atento Capital and checking us out online at atentocapital.com. Mm-hmm.